Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Rob Longo. Hi, friends, and welcome to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of your Charlotte Hornets. Rob Longo with you today following a thrilling victory in Indiana last night for the Hornets, 125 to 124, the final tally. And this one might have taken a few ticks off of the timer. If you watch this one live, we'll recap this one, give you our top performers, and it's a quick turnaround for the Hornets as they have to fly to Dallas to take on the Mavericks here later on tonight. We'll have your game preview here in a few moments, but right now we're going to go ahead and break this one down for you with the one and only lead writer of Hornets.com, Sam Prelly. Sam, thank you for joining me here on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. I will give credit where credit is due. You called this one back after the loss in Houston the other day. You said this was going to be a winning edition of the HHC, and by golly, you were correct. Well, first off, thank you for having me as always. I'm not sure if I called it. I think maybe it was like I said something along the lines of like, I hope the next time we're talking it's in a winning edition, but uh, we don't have to go back and look at the tapes to see the exact words I used. But regardless, it is a winning addition, whether I predicted it or not, or just kind of hoped for it. Hey, either way, you ended up being correct. The 125 to 124 final. This one was absolutely bonkers, basically from the get-go. It seemed like a very back-and-forth game early on. The Hornets tied it at 27 going into the second quarter. They didn't have a lead until early on in the second frame. Led this one by eight going into the locker room at halftime, and then the third quarter, everything just kind of went haywire when it was all said and done. Indiana puts up 50 points in the third quarter. If you go back to the first half, the Pacers were 4 for 20 shooting from beyond the arc, and then it felt like deja vu all over again to borrow a line from the late great Yogi Berra as Indiana goes 12 for 15 from beyond the arc in the third quarter alone. They shot 81% from the field. Tyrese Halliburton had a night. He finishes with 43 points. That is a career high. He had 38 of them through three quarters, 25 of them coming in the third quarter alone. He is the first player in the play-by-play era 
of the NBA, which goes back to the 1996-1997 season, to record 25 points and 5 assists in a single quarter. He did that in the third frame as he went 6 of 8 shooting from beyond the arc there in that third quarter. The Hornets only trailed by 4, though, because Charlotte shot 65% from the field itself in that third stanza. As we go to the fourth quarter, a very, very back-and-forth game. It seemed like the Hornets were going to pull this one out rather easily. There was about 20 seconds left on the clock, and the Hornets, all they had to do was inbound it, maybe go to the free-throw line and seal the win, only up one point. But we're just going to go ahead and have Sam Farber describe it to you on how it sounded on the Hornets radio network last night about the final 13, 14, 15 seconds of the game sounded like last night in Indiana. Give it to LaMelo Ball. He runs into the front court. Gives up P.J. Washington. P.J. has it knocked out of his hands by Buddy Heald. Out of play. Pacers ball. Oh, my gosh. Hornets had a two-on-one and managed to lose it. Now the Pacers can win it. Miller will pick up Halliburton, who's had a career night with 43, and he'll try and hold for the last shot. Halliburton to his right, one-on-one with LaMelo. LaMelo ball on defense, five seconds, four. Halliburton trips over the ball. He's at the logo. LaMelo pokes it in the backcourt. That's it. LaMelo with the defensive stop to seal victory for Buzz City. And the Hornets survive 125 to 124. Outscore the Pacers 33 to 28 there in the fourth quarter. As a whole, Indiana shot 18 to 25 from beyond the arc in the second half alone. Like I said, after going four for 20 from three in the first half, it was kind of like deja vu all over again, like I mentioned, because of the way that the Houston Rockets were able to shoot lights out back on Wednesday. They were 12 of 16 from beyond the arc in the second half of that game Wednesday night that really propelled them to that victory over the Hornets. So, Sam, I don't know about you. I was starting to get a little bit of PTSD there in that second half because it just felt like the Pacers were not able to miss, especially in that third quarter. Yeah, that, that was uh, that was pretty incredible. I mean, you, you're just hoping it's okay. They're going to miss. They're going to miss. They're going to miss. They're going to miss. And it just kept going in and in. And I mean, they tried everything. You know, Steve Clifford said after the game, he tried, you know, double teams at him. And he'd find the open guy, him being Halliburton. I mean, he's so good at once he gets going, he really can get going. And he's got some really tremendous passing abilities. He's got a very kind of unique like jump pass kind of thing he does and he can just he found everybody I mean it was one of the better performances unfortunately it came at the expense of the Hornets but one of the better opposing performances kind of during a quarter I think I've ever seen by another NBA player too but credit to the Hornets I mean something like that can be really really deflating score aside they had 50 points in that quarter I think they had a seven or eight point lead going into the fourth but they regrouped they I think they had a 19-4 run got up by eight and then uh Got it. I think Indiana got it down to one, and then sort of the craziness happened there at the end, starting with the healed missed free throw, too. So credit to the Hornets. I mean, they took a big punch there at the start of that third quarter. They weathered it. They they gathered themselves and were able to make the plays they needed to down the stretch to win this one. And lost in all of this, too, here, by the way, for people that may have missed a game yesterday, Terry Rozier was having a great game. He ends up finishing with what was north of 20 for the fifth straight game, he finishes officially with 22 points. He was 7-14 from the field. Really, I thought, kind of carried the Hornets in that third quarter when they needed a tough bucket. Terry was able to go over there and get it because the Hornets weren't shooting the ball from three very well last night. They end up going only 8-20 for 20 from beyond York. They were 1-6 of six in the first half. So they were going away from that. They end up scoring 74 points in the paint. I mean, they dominated the paint play, which is why these twos and threes kind of I don't want to say canceled out, but that's why the game was a lot closer than it was. If the Hornets were even shooting a little bit more from three, if it was the same percentage, they end up shooting 40%. If they shoot 
a couple of extra attempts and they keep that 40% average, it's a completely different ballgame. If Indiana doesn't go 49% from beyond the arc, it is a completely different ballgame. They shot above their weight class as well. I thought that the Hornets were going to be able to carry this one away rather, I don't want to say easily, but more convincingly than just a one-point win. Again, a 125-124 to 124 win last night. But all that said, while I was talking about Terry Rozier, he left with about six minutes left to go in regulation. He was listed out with a groin strain. Obviously, that's going to hurt for the long term, but the Hornets were doing this a little bit shorthanded as well in crunch time. Brandon Miller was able to come up big in the clutch. He ends up playing 34 minutes. That was tied for a team high with Gordon Hayward. Again, we'll get into the top performers here in a few moments, but that is a very tough spot for a rookie like Brandon Miller to get in and make a difference. He certainly did that last night, but it was a collective team effort. The Hornets could have easily collapsed like you talked about, Sam. I mean, it was one of those things where it just could have gone up, down, left, and right, or sideways. Before I hear your thoughts on that, let's hear from Mark Williams about that last play and what transpired. It's real chaotic. We shouldn't have put ourselves in that situation. But no. Melo did a great job uh, locking up on that island with uh, Halliburton. You know, obviously had a, had a great night, but Melo locked in when it mattered most, so shout out to him. And what I'm saying and what a team effort is, Sam, is you have guys like Brandon Miller, a rookie, stepping up there because Terry Rozier was injured. You had guys coming off the bench providing double-digit efforts like Nick Richards. You had LaMelo Ball, who was a minus 15 in the plus-minus last night. He has the game-sealing steal at the end of the contest. I mean, it was one of those games where it literally took every single person on the Hornets roster that stepped out there on the court, and they all delivered. Obviously, tough news on Terry. That was kind of a, a strange play where he just kind of came up limping a little bit with his groin, too. So, again, fingers crossed that, you know, uh, it's nothing super, super serious. But, yeah, like you said, really impressive. You know, and something like that with the way Terry was kind of rolling there by the time he, you know, had to leave the game, that could be a big deflator. I mean, you got a guy that's making a couple of bunch of shots or a, bunch, a couple of uh, a couple of shots. He's, you know, kind of got the team, leading the team. You know, LaMelo is having an off night shooting-wise. And uh, to have him go out, you know, it can take a – take the wind out of your sails a little bit. But again, credit to the Hornets. Some other guys stepped up. I thought LaMelo made some big-time plays down the stretch. Mark had a, those two connected for a big alley-oop. I forget what it was, but it put the score up to up to three. It, it felt like everybody kind of chipped in a little bit down there at the buzz. You got people playing different positions, doing different things. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, when you go back and look at the tape, there's probably a couple sequences where maybe you kind of pull the reins back a little bit and aren't nearly as aggressive with the ball and trying to score there at the end. But, you know, they, they found a way to win it, and that's the end of the day. That's all that matters is a score, and hopefully you can kind of clean up a little bit of the mistakes and, uh, you know, hopefully move forward and uh – uh who knows? Maybe get a winning streak going here. They don't ask how you won. They just ask if you won. And that's what the Hornets certainly did last night, 125 to 124. I wanted to look at this a couple different ways, Sam, real quick before we move on to our next segment. But I guess the question is, is this a better win for Charlotte or is this a worse loss for Indiana? Because if you're the Pacers, you get a career night from Tyrese Halliburton, something that no one has ever done in team history, having 40 or more points and 10 or more assists. He finishes with 43 points and 12 assists, 14 to 21 shooting, 8 for 12 from beyond the arc, hit all seven of his free throws as well. You put up 50 points in the third quarter, and then somehow you lose the ball game. So is that a testament more to what the Hornets were able to do down the stretch and they stuck to their game, which give credit to Charlotte. I mean, when... The Pacers were hitting all those threes in the third quarter. They could have easily tried to go shot for shot and just try to chuck up threes, even though that hasn't been the calling card for this team even the last two seasons now. They just stuck to their game. They outscore the Pacers 74-40 to 40 points in the paint-wise. They were able to take those high-percentage shots and end up shooting almost 54% from the field 
throughout the game. They shot 65% in the third quarter, 50% in the fourth quarter, high percentage shots, won them the ball game. So, again, to reiterate my question, is this a worse loss for Indiana or a better win for Charlotte, all things considered? I guess it depends on what side and what team you're rooting for. You know, I think if you kind of look down the stretch there, I mean, the Pacers didn't play very well to start the game. They kind of put themselves in a hole, and even though they had the the 50-point quarter, they still gave up 38 in that quarter as well. So it wasn't like this game was completely over. I mean, they were only up like six or seven going into the fourth quarter, and it was a one-possession game for a good chunk of, you know, the final few minutes. So I, I wouldn't say it was like that... 50-point third quarter really kind of made up for how poorly they shot in the first quarter. So then I actually just looked it up, and this is, I pulled off basketball reference, it's only the second time in the last 30 years that a NBA team has given up a 50-point quarter and still gone on to win an NBA game. It actually happened last year. Uh, the Clippers did it against the Memphis Grizzlies, but before that, it was the 1991-92 season. So not something you see very often. Uh, I think if I'm the Pacers, I think you had a couple chances there. I think with when they had the turnover down three, uh, I forget who it was, threw it to LaMelo, and maybe the Hornets should have burned some clock out there more instead of trying to kind of rush a basket, end up being an out-of-bounds. They got the and one, missed the free throw from a, you know, after hitting everything all night to miss the one free throw that they really needed to hit. Missed it, got another chance because the ball went out-of-bounds on the Hornets, and then Halliburton turned it over on the inbound. So uh, it is kind of crazy that Halliburton had the game that he had and, and then make, made the uh, – the turnover there, I think with about 20 seconds left that, you know, Charlotte was able to burn a little bit more clock and uh, maybe over dribbled that last possession too. So I think if you're Indiana, this may be, you know, I think it's Hornets, you know, being on the Hornets side, it's obviously a great win. I think the Hornets made the plays they needed to. And, you know, maybe if they had another chance, they would have done some plays differently. But in the end, they made the one play that they needed to at the very end in a one point game, hit all their free throws. I mean, they put themselves in position to win. So that's all that matters. But if I'm Indiana, that door was left open a couple times for them. I mean, they got a couple, they made some good plays. They got some defensive stops. They got some, some turnovers when they needed and They just couldn't capitalize. So this would be a tough one for Indiana to stomach uh, when they, you know, came back and played as well as they did. But uh, they had their chances and, and, you know, the Hornets made one more play and that was the difference. And keep in mind, too, that the Pacers were on a second night of a back-to-back after they won at home the night before. Again, going back to Tyrese Halliburton, heck of a night, career night, you tip your cap to him, but he had three turnovers, and two of them came in the fourth quarter in very, very key moments. Just the way it works out in the NBA sometimes, depending on which way you want to look at it. If you're wearing the gold-colored glasses or the purple and teal-colored glasses, you can look at that however you want. But again, Hornets survive a 125-124 win in Indiana last night. Two of the main big points that I talked about, again, points in the paint, 74-40 to in favor of Charlotte. The Hornets did not turn a ball over as much as they've had over the last couple of games. 13 turnovers resulted in 16 points for Indiana. Pacers, though, coughed off the ball 15 times, resulted in 20 points for the Hornets. And the second-chance points opportunities, 12 offensive boards for Charlotte, resulted in 17 second-chance points. Another big reason why the Hornets won last night. 125 to 124, your final. We're going to go ahead and talk about our top performers right after this here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! 
and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Rob Longo and the lead writer of Hornets.com, Sam Perley, on a winning edition of the HHC. Charlotte wins it 125-124 to 124 over the Indiana Pacers last night. Quick turnaround. They will take on the Dallas Mavericks tonight at 7.30. You can catch that game on Valley Sports Southeast and the Hornets radio network as well. We'll have your game preview here in a few moments. But right now, I want to talk about our top performers from last night's game. Sam Perley, you have the pick of the litter because there are a lot to choose from. Who was your top performer last night? Yeah, I'm going to go with Mark Williams. He's had a little bit of an up-and-down start to the season as he gets back his rhythm following the uh, the hand surgery over the summer. But easily his best game last night. Career-high 27 points, career-high 9 of 9 from the free-throw line. Had seven rebounds. Four of them were offensive. Also had two steals, two blocks. I mean, he was a big reason why the Hornets were you know, scoring so efficiently in the paint. Uh, shot 9 of 12 and was also you know, not allowing the, the Pacers to, to get inside points or points inside the paint there. Uh, you now they made up for it by hitting, you know, an insane amount of threes, but that's besides the point. So I thought Mark was really good, made a big time connection with, uh, with LaMelo in the final minute to make a one point lead up to three. Uh, so yeah, he was really, really good. Hopefully it's the start of, you know, this is the first sign of him really starting to find his form after having to rehab over the summer. Back to LaMelo, head fakes the three. Drives inside, lob, Mark Williams, lay in, got it to roll through! How did he finish it? Mark Williams seemed to be under the basket, but stretches out, lays it in. A career-high 27 for Mark Williams. Hornets by three, under a minute to play. And that was the play that Sam Perley was talking about right there. Made it 125 to 122 with about a minute three left on the clock. In fact, those are the final points that the Hornets scored in the contest, and Mark Williams were able to get them the hold. You heard it right there, a career night for Mark Williams. Here's what he had to say after the game about that career effort, but again, kind of just turned it on to a total team effort as selflessly as Mark is. Uh, it felt great. It really just felt great to get the win. That was really the biggest thing. Obviously, my teammates did a great job finding me around the rim, knocked my free throws down, and then... Like I said, we just locked in on defense. And that's something that is lost a little bit here when we looked at the box score as well. The Hornets end up going perfect at the free throw line. 23 for 23. They needed every single shot to count in a one-point game. It certainly worked out in favor of the Hornets. Yeah, 9 for 9 at the charity stripe for Mark. 9 to 12 shooting from the field. 7 rebounds. He also had 2 blocks and 2 steals. Mark Williams, a very valid player of the game nominee. For me, I'm going to go with the guy off the bench. I'm going to go with the rookie. It's Brandon Miller. 
Hornets trail by three. Maladon, corner three for the tie. No, but the rebound and put back from the weak side by Brandon Miller. He soars and scores, makes it a one-point game. That one came back in the third quarter when the Hornets were trailing. And again, it was just that big onslaught from Indiana where they put up 50 points in the third quarter. Brandon Miller able to get that one within a one-point game at the time there late in the third frame. But Brandon Miller, phenomenal job last night. 10 points in double figures once again. 4 for 7 from the field. 0 for 2 beyond the arc. But again, nobody really shot the ball particularly well from three-point land last night once again for Buzz City. 2 for 2 at the free throw line. 3 rebounds. An assist. A block. Had a couple of fouls in there. It was a little chippy throughout the game, especially there in the third quarter, early stages of the fourth quarter as well. But the main reason why I wanted Brandon Miller as my top performer from last night's game is he was probably one of the biggest difference makers out there on the floor when you take a look at the plus-minus. He finishes a plus-17 in the plus-minus in the game. That was the highest for anybody out there on the court. That considers a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who ended up being only a plus-8 despite him scoring 43 points in the contest. So Brandon Miller is my top performer, also a consolation as well to JT Thor. JT Thor only about seven points, but again, he was also a positive and a plus minus, a plus 14. The Hornets go nine deep last night. All four bench players were a positive in the plus minus. That's how you win ball games is when your bench is able to not have a drop off when the starters come in. And I thought the Hornets did a really good job last night, Sam, of just rotating guys in and out, getting those right pieces to mix and match when everybody was trying to catch their breath. I thought Brandon was tremendous. And, and it, again, you look at him and you, you, it's easy to forget that he's only playing his fifth regular season NBA game because he just looks, the, you know, you see the fluidity, you see you know, the decision-making, you see the way he moves his feet. I mean, everything about it, if you didn't know any better and you watch him, you say, that guy's been in the NBA for four or five years already. He just, he has that very obvious feel and movement to his game. And it doesn't look anything like a rookie. I mean, defensively, he had some good stretches too. I thought, you know, something that kind of went under the radar a little bit was, you know, Steve Clifford tasked him to do that inbounds play after they got the turnover off the heeled miss free throw at the end there. And he you know, that's a tough play to do. I mean, I think it's something that people take for granted is just inbounding the ball uh, in a situation like that. Miller was really good. He's only going to get better. I mean, it's really, really exciting to kind of watch what he can do. And, uh, yeah, I thought he was a big part of this one. I mean, you just feel his presence on both ends. I mean, he just plays super hard, super competitive. He's got an edge to him. Uh, and he's only going to get better from here. Again, Hornets winning 125-124 to 124 last night in Indiana. A good one to savor, but not quite a whole lot of time to do it as the Hornets hit the road tonight for a back-to-back against the Dallas Mavericks. We'll have your game preview for you next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. 
Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Well, it doesn't get any easier in the NBA, that's for sure. It's uh, both a really good thing about the NBA and something that's really tough is on big time wins, you don't have much time to celebrate. But on the flip side, if you have some of those emotional losses, you get a chance to redeem yourself right away. So, you know, we can enjoy this one tonight. We have a lot to learn from them on it. And then uh, try to get ready tomorrow. That's Gordon Hayward after last night's 125 to 124 win in Indiana. Forgot to mention over the last couple of segments, uh, the native Hoosier finishes with 23 points, six rebounds, three assists, two blocks, did a little bit of everything in the win last night for Buzz City. He was certainly a big part of it as well. But the Hornets, quick turnaround, like I mentioned, are in Dallas tonight to face the Mavericks. I don't know who came up with the schedule, but I thought it was a little bizarre when it was announced that Charlotte had to go to. Houston on Wednesday, they get two days off, and then they go to Indiana for a game last night, and then they got to flip around and play Dallas in Dallas on the second night of a back-to-back. Didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but I digress. As we get you set for our game preview, we'll have our players to watch and our stats to watch in a few moments, but wanted to get a reset of everybody about this series because you go back to last season, Charlotte swept the season series. Both of those games came in March as the Hornets won it in Dallas 117-109. Then they beat the Mavericks at the Hive 110 104 just two days later. P.J. Washington Gordon Hayward had big games in those. They were both north of 20 in those two contests, and those two losses really dealt a big blow to the Mavericks when it came to their seeding or the playoff picture in general because they missed the play-in tournament as a whole, and those two losses were certainly a big reason because of that. So after missing the playoffs last year, Mavericks retooled the roster a little bit coming into this year, re-signed Kyrie Irving to a three-year deal after they got him at the trade deadline. Dallas also signed Seth Curry. They get Grant Williams in a three-team trade from Boston. And all those moves have kind of worked so far for Dallas because they won their first four games before they fell 125 to 114 at Denver on Friday. That was also an in-season tournament game as well. So a tip-off coming up at 7.30 tonight along the Hornets Radio Network and Valley Sports Southeast. Before we get to our players and stat to watch, quick little injury update. We don't know the status of Terry Rozier going into this one after he was helped off the floor in the fourth quarter of last night's game. Kyrie Irving listed as probable according to the injury report as of this recording of the podcast. He has a left foot sprain. We'll see if he's able to go. Maxi Klebler is out with a right small toe dislocation and Markeith Morris is questionable with a non-COVID illness. So Sam Brilli, you know how these work. We've done a ton of them in the past, but to refresh your memory, we need a Hornets player to watch, a Dallas player to watch, and a stat to watch. Where would you like to begin? I will go with a Hornet to watch. So I'll start with there. I always keep kind of the same pattern. I'm always Hornet to watch, Mav to watch, and then uh, a stat to watch. So I'll start with uh, Hornet to watch, and I'm going to go with P.J. Washington. I think he started the season very strong, uh, like Gordon Hayward last night. Hopefully we can get a little bit of the player Hornet player returns to his hometown and plays well. P.J. is from Dallas, played really well against the Mavericks last season, averaged 24.5 points on 45.5% shooting uh, in those two meetings that were uh, right at the end of the year and then starting this season with a game against the Mavs too. So uh, I think P.J. Washington is, uh, I think, second on the team right now in scoring. He's averaging 18.2 points per game this season. 
close to 50.5% shooting and 43% from three-point range. We'd like to see the three-point shooting attempts go up a little bit more. I think that's something that the Hornets have been uh, cognizant of, especially after last night, is getting, getting the attempts up a little bit more. But uh, yeah, P.J. Washington is really good, and uh, hopefully he can show out in his hometown Dallas tonight. I like to pick, like you mentioned, it always seems like he has a little bit of extra motivation when it comes to taking on the Mavericks, especially when it is in Big D. So for me, I got to take a look maybe to the bench. I just want to see what Brandon Miller does. I know that we've kind of had a, a very keen eye on him ever since he came into the league. First game against Atlanta, great. Second game, just as good against Detroit. And then has just been very, very consistent over the last couple against Houston. And, of course, last night against Indiana as well, finishing with those 10 points in Indianapolis last night. 34 minutes off the bench. Coach Clifford really, really trusts him because, again, that was tied for a game high last night with Gordon Hayward. I want to see how he responds on the second night of a back-to-back. This is the first time that he'll have to deal with the back-to-back. Probably not that big of a deal. Maybe I'm making it a bigger deal than what it's worth, all things considered, because it's not like these guys didn't play every night when it came to conference tournaments or every other night in the NCAA tournament. These guys are used to this kind of workload. So maybe I'm taking a little bit too much stock into it, but I want to see what Brandon Miller does here tonight, especially if Terry Rozier isn't able to go and see maybe what the rotations look like. Maybe we see Brandon Miller at the two a little bit. Who knows? Well, only time will tell. We'll see what happens with the rotations this evening in Dallas. But Brandon Miller, my player to watch here tonight for the Hornets. Where would you like to go next? Would you like to go Mavericks player to watch or stat to watch? I'm going to go with Mavericks player to watch, and it's a name that you brought up a few minutes ago, Grant Williams. Charlotte native, uh, played most of his career, all of his career in uh, Boston up until this past summer when he was dealt to the Mavericks. And he started off down there really, really strong. I mean, I think he had kind of a strange, fluctuating role with the Celtics. I think with the Mavericks now, he can kind of play more to his strengths right now. He's nearly averaging double the amount of points he did last season. He's at 15 points per game right now. He's top 15 in the NBA in three-point shooting at 53.8% on uh, on over seven attempts a game, which is a pretty heavy number uh, to have that high a percentage. So, uh, Grant Williams seems to be really thriving with a new change of scenery. Great stretch four, great defender, just does a little bit of everything and can kind of get under your skin sometimes too. I think he's he's found a really nice role in Dallas and is obviously, you know, taking advantage of the new change of scenery through his first five games. So Grant Williams will be my player to watch tonight for the Mavericks. That's an interesting one. I'm going to take the main guy. If you're going to leave him open, I'll take the low-hanging fruit in Luka Doncic. Played about 38 minutes in that loss in Denver the other night. He was a minus four and a plus minus, but again, goes for 34 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists. It's not how do you limit him. It's let's just hope that maybe he has an off night more or less, especially when he has a guy like Kyrie Irving as his running mate in the backcourt. I know those two didn't really gel together a whole lot last year, especially at the trade deadline, but I think now that they have an offseason to maybe work a little bit together, another training camp to go through things, just a basic reset, quite frankly, I think that's really going to help them out. So again, Luka Doncic, he's a facilitator, he's a shooter, he can do it all. He's just one of those guys that you are hard-pressed to miss. So I'm going to take Luka in the game tonight. It kind of ties into my stat to watch a little bit tonight, but we'll see where Sam Perley goes with his stat to watch because that's the only category we have left. So where are we going with that one, Sam? So my stat tonight is going to be rebounding. Last season, the Dallas Mavericks were the worst team in the league in rebounding percentage and also offensive rebounding percentage. Luka has been tremendous on the glass this year. I think he actually leads the team in rebounding this year. He's got over 10.5 a a game, or about 10.5 a a game. Grant Williams made a big difference there. Their their first-round rookie, Derek Lively, has added some strength in that area. It's not 
super great yet. They actually had this written down, uh, their rebounding numbers. I think they were like ninth in defensive rebounding and 14th in total rebounding. And then they got out-rebounded by 15 in Denver, and it, it sent their rankings uh, plummeting down. So uh, I think they're back to 22nd in total rebounding now at 48.2%. That's still 1% better than last year. So it's an, it's an improvement. They were you know 30th last year. They're 22 right now. There's a little bit of a small sample size that completely – you know, nosedive after one game against the Nuggets. So uh, it's an area they're getting better. It's an area the Hornets have emphasized this year is the rebounding area. They've got to make sure they attack the glasses, don't give any extra opportunities to the Mavericks, who we've seen can really, really put some points up on the board, particularly with the NBA's leading scorer right now in Luka. That's certainly a good stat to watch. That was my second one to pick, so I'm glad you didn't take my top one. I'm going to go with the three-point ball, three-point percentage, three-point attempts, whatever you want to look at it. I'm just going to take basically everything from beyond the arc. The Mavericks are third in the association so far in three-point percentage. They're sitting at about a 41% clip, a little bit below 41%, but regardless, still one of the top teams in the association. When it comes to the way they score, it's from the three ball. They literally live and die from the three-point shot because 45% of their points come from beyond New York compared to just 23% from Charlotte. I mean, it's a huge spread. It's literally first and last in the NBA when it comes to that. So, for me, that's kind of basically the ball game right there, especially what we've seen over the last two games from Charlotte. I mean, the, the 12 of 16 in the second half from three from Houston on Wednesday. You go back to last night and just the way that the Pacers shot the ball in the second half from beyond the arc, 18 of 25 shooting from three in the second half. So, again, I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if we've just caught maybe some teams on some really good hot streaks there, especially the way that they're able to adjust at halftime, but the three-point shot is probably going to be the one that makes or breaks the Hornets game here tonight. Again, 7.30 tip-off on Valley Sports Southeast and along the Hornets radio network. And of course, we'll have a game review of this one tomorrow on the HHC. But in the meantime, Sam Perley, thank you for hopping on this edition of the HHC, the back-to-back specialist, as we like to call you. Of course. Thank you for having me. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. For Sam Perley, I'm Rob Longo saying thank you so much for tuning in to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We'll talk to you tomorrow once again here on EHHC. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. 
Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 